I'm back. <laughs> but I wish I was still there. No, it was a, it was a great, great trip Jenna and I had um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought I would give you all 350 pictures and videos today and just see where it goes. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to give you bits and pieces over the next few weeks and months and years. Um, but just, just know, um, before I went uh, to Israel, I kind of viewed Christian tourism as a bad thing. That's kind of how I viewed it. Uh, my, my mind has been completely changed. Um, if, if you ever get the opportunity to go um, to the places of the people that we talk about, but more importantly, the promises that we hold, you need to go. Um, I, I, am, I am an Israel trip advocate from now, from now on. It's just, just an amazing, amazing time. Uh, but it's good to be back. Um, and we're going to shift without a clutch and jump right in uh, to part three of asking for a friend where we're dealing with, wrestling with, kind of pointing to some of these questions um, that we may not want to ask, or maybe we, we don't want to ask out loud, we're too embarrassed, we're too um, timid to ask. So we're going to ask on behalf of a friend that doesn't exist. Um, and today's question is a little bit personal for me, so I, I hope you'll give me a little bit of leeway in this. I'm going to bleed on the stage a little bit today, because it's just something that over the last, I don't know, four, five, six years, um, it has started popping up in my world in ways that I has surprised me. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's thrown me off kilter a little bit, um, and my guess is I'm not alone. Like, if I'm the only one who's bleeding today, that's fine, but I'm guessing I'm not the only one. So let me throw up a, a couple scenarios and see if you can identify. Um, I was in St. Louis a couple weeks ago and saw a sign in the hotel that we were staying at that said something along the lines of, um, you know, while you're staying here, um, there won't be anybody in your room because of COVID-19. If you need anything, call the front desk. And my, my immediate reaction to that, my first response to that was, this is not because of COVID-19. Like, you laid a bunch of people off. You're making more money than you've ever made before. You don't want to hire them back. So I'm paying for more, I'm paying for more, paying you more for less service. Like, you're lying. You're lying. Right? That's, that, that was all going in my head within seven seconds of seeing that sign. It's amazing you guys let me preach sometimes, I just tell you. <laughs> right? Or how about this one? Um, I take my car in for just routine maintenance, oil change, you know, tire rotation or whatever. And I can almost guarantee you, within an hour of dropping off my car, they're going to call me back and find something else wrong with my car. And try and sell me or try and, you know, fleece me or whatever. And I just, I just, I've told you guys I'm not a car guy. So I hear them talking about like the flux capacitor and the ball bearings or whatever. I don't know. And, and I just think these guys are just trying to fleece me. Like there's a sucker born every minute, but I ain't one of them. Right? And like, I got to be careful. If you're an auto mechanic or you work at an auto body shop, I don't have any problem with you. That's, my problem isn't with you. I'm just a little hesitant when I get that phone call every single time, right? So, so do you know what I've discovered about myself? The older I've gotten, the more cynical I've become. I've, 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 when I was a kid, I mean, 
At least I think I was. Maybe you have to ask my mom. I was so happy and so trusting and just so carefree. And you know why? Because I was stupid. Did somebody say that? Yes. (laughs) I was dumb. Ignorance really is bliss sometimes. And then, uh, that, you know, you, you grow up a little bit and you start getting out into the real world. You get your first job and sure your boss is a bit of a jerk, but you were also a mouthy teenager. But, but you kind of thought that's okay. I'm not going to work here forever. I'll eventually find my dream job. And then you go to another job or maybe you go to school and you get a degree. Um, and then you get your first real job as an adult and you find out that there are horrible bosses as an adult, just like there are horrible bosses as a teenager. You know, that's okay. I'll, I'll find somebody to fall in love with. And you find somebody to fall in love with and they break your heart. And you put yourself out there again. I'm going to fall in love again. And they break your heart. And you do that again. And he cheats on you. And you walk away from that saying, men can't be trusted. It's just one experience after another, after another, you get a bunch of life experience and you eventually realize the older you get, the more knowledge and cynicism become friends, right? Like the older I get, the more I learn, the more I experience, and the more I have to fight cynicism because I find myself thinking, I know how this ends. I know how this goes. I know how they're going to respond. I know what she's going to say. I know how he's going to end. I I know, I know, I know. Some of us are cynical about work. Uh, Some of us are cynical about church. Some of us are cynical just about relationships in general. Some of us are cynical about the future. Some of us are cynical about marriage. Some of us are cynical about education. Some of us are just cynical about people in general. And here's Here's part of the interesting thing to me about cynicism, that nobody sets out to be cynical. It's like going to Denny's. Nobody plans to go there. (laughs) You just end up there, right? It's like at 18, nobody says, I can't wait to grow up and be angry and jaded and dead inside. (laughs) Nobody plans for that. But isn't it true? People end up there. People end up there. We don't see it coming. We, we don't know how we ended up there, but there we are. How does that happen? How, how do we get to the point where we don't trust anymore? We don't hope anymore. We don't believe anymore. That's the, that's, that's the question for today. Why am I so cynical? And it's not, not why is Pastor Tim so cynical? Why, are, why am I? Like, make this personal. Why am I so cynical? And it, and it sounds a little bit like psycho, babble, mumbo-jumbo. Okay, I get that. But I actually think God has something to say to us. I think God has something to say and, and wants to breathe hope and life and trust and belief again into those of us who find ourselves in that place if you're willing to engage with him today. If you're willing to open up your heart a little bit, that, 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 that this is, is one of the reasons I love the Bible, because it doesn't just give us insight into God, it gives us insight into life, because God is life. It's where we find our life. And again, 
Okay, part of the problem with cynicism is that it roots itself in knowledge. Like, ignorance is bliss, so when we're young, we're ignorant, we just don't know. But the more we know, the more we experience, the more knowledge and cynicism become friends. And, and the, I think one of the best examples of this from Scripture is King Solomon. Solomon experienced this. Because in his day, Solomon was the wisest. He was the most knowledgeable man on the face of the planet, just full of knowledge. It was actually a gift from God. He asked God for it and God gave it to him. So we have a collection of Solomon's writings in the Bible in the the portion that was called wisdom literature. And I just want to show you one snippet from one of those books of the Bible that's a part of wisdom literature. We actually did an entire series on this back in 2021. Um, but it's, it's from the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter one, if you want to follow along on your Bible or mobile device, um, this, that's Old Testament Hebrew Bible. And Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon at a point in his life where he's a little bit older, where he'd seen a lot, he'd experienced a lot, and he came to some conclusions about life and about specific things as well. Here's what he has to say. <laughs> Everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. Obviously wrote this on Monday morning, didn't he? (laughs) This isn't coming from the pen of an 18-year-old ready to to jump out into life and start new things. Doesn't come from the pen of a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old. This is from an old man who's seen a lot, who knows a lot, who's been around the block a few times. And interestingly, that the Hebrew word for meaningless is our word vapor. Vapor. So you go outside on a cold Kansas morning and you breathe, that's vapor, right? But you know something about vapor? It's not there for very long. It comes and it goes like that. That's what vapor is. It's it's brief. And Solomon uses that word as the primary idea that he's trying to communicate about life. Like life is just so short. It's so brief. It's like a vapor. He unpacks um, this more specifically in verse three. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? What's the point of working so hard? What's, why do I spend so much time and energy working? I know I get a paycheck, but is that all? Generations come. And generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. Listen to this. This is so true. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Ecclesiastes is the cynic's guide to the universe. It's, it's, it's so many real life things. It's so honest. It's so raw. It's kind of brutal, right? It doesn't make sense until you're about 40 or 42, It's just, it's, what? Yeah. Jump down to verse 16. Here's what Solomon said to himself. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. There's only two, his his dad, David, and King Saul. He's saying, I'm wiser than both of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. 
but I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind, and here's the bomb. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. Like the more I know, the more I learn, the greater my grief became. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. And you put, you put these, these verses in Ecclesiastes next to some of the stuff that he says in Proverbs, and you realize he wrote Proverbs when he was younger. He, he wrote some of those things about wealth and health and goodness and, and all these things when he was younger. And then Ecclesiastes comes along. He gets a little bit more wisdom. He gets a little bit more life. That, that's where cynicism comes from. You just know too much. You know too much. You know about relationships. You know what people are like. You know what, how it works in business. You know how family works. You know how kids think. You know how parents respond. You know how neighbors are. You just know so much that cynicism takes over and starts projecting all of those, all that past stuff onto future situations. All the past failures onto future situations. Some of you, like, I, I don't know that there's anybody in the room or watching online this, but some of you, you do this in relationships. You've, you've, you've tried to date, you've put yourself out there, and when you meet somebody you're interested in, you think, man, they're really, really fun to be around but I know how this goes. I know, I know where this is going to end up. The hurt of your past pronounces death sentence on your future. I'm done with people, done with dating. I'm just done. I'd rather be alone for the rest of my life. Some of you, uh, doesn't matter what industry or job or sector, you think, I know, I know how bosses are. I, I know how businesses operate. I know how coworkers think. I know how my boss thinks. And you become cynical about work, you know, I have to work to make a living, but I'm just going to put my time until retirement because I'm done. I'm just done caring about work. Or some of you, I'm done with church. I'll show up for my kids. I'll show up because my spouse wants me to. And like, I still believe in God. I still want heaven when I die, but I don't really care about a faith that moves beyond that. And, and I, like part of that I get because we all experience hurt. We all get disillusioned. I, I, I understand that part of it. But at the same time, if that leads to closing our heart off to people, if it leads to us closing our heart off ultimately to God, we just stop trusting. We stop hoping. We stop believing. And and, and it's, it's, a, it's been a part of my story I'm not real proud of. I, I don't like that about me. I, I think there's, there's got to be something more than that. For some of you, it's your story right now. Because you'd say, yeah, I used to hope, I used to trust, I used to believe. And it's, it's not necessarily that you don't hope or trust or believe in God. That's, that's, that's still there, but you don't really have any hope for this life. You don't really have any hope for, for your future. You're just kind of waiting to die and go on to the next life. You still trust. You still believe in Jesus. It's just people that you don't believe in. It's like the sign, in God we trust, everybody else pays cash, right? You just don't have much hope for your job, for your business, for your marriage, your relationship with your adult children. Just, just fill in the blank with, with whatever it is. Your trust, your hope, your belief tanks, they're low, and can we just call out the elephant in the room? Like the last two to three years of life haven't really helped with that. 
And, and here's what I came to say today. That's the bad news. <laughs> here's what I came to say. And I realize it's not a popular message, but I believe it's true. What I've learned about cynicism, my cynicism, your cynicism, our collective cynicism, it's a choice. It's a choice. I, I don't think we choose to become cynical. I think we just slide into it. But staying cynical... I think that's a choice. In other words, life doesn't make you cynical. You make you cynical. You make you cynical. I decide to be cynical or not. I decide to, to stop trusting or start trusting. I decide to stop hoping or start hoping. I decide to stop believing or lean in even more, which means... There's an antidote to cynicism, that we don't have to stay there, that we can choose something else. There are plenty of people that would disagree with me on this. You may be one of them. But I, I believe, once a cynic, not always a cynic, I believe there's an antidote to cynicism. And here it is. It's as clear as I can be. Cynicism melts under the relentless hope of the gospel. Cynicism, it just melts under the relentless hope of the gospel. I'm coming back to this over and over again these days because I need this. What's the gospel? Now, for every, every person here today, we're probably going to have different definitions. But the gospel, is, it's just the good news. It's what gospel means, the good news of Jesus. The good news is, is that when God showed up in Jesus, we didn't recognize him, so we killed him. We nailed him to a cross. And every cynic in the world at that point in history thought that God was losing in that moment. And yet, God was actually using that moment to bring about our redemption. When, when everybody thought God was losing, he was actually winning. When everybody saw nothing but death, God said, no, this is actually how I'm going to bring about life everlasting. The good news of the gospel is that when we bring him death and hopelessness and unbelief and cynicism, he says, I can work with that. I can work with that. I, I, I use the worst moment in human history to redeem human history, to redeem humanity. And all of a sudden, as Pastor Mark reminded us last week, in light of the gospel, our past doesn't have to be our future. Our past is connected to our future, but your past doesn't have to control your future. When you plug into Jesus, when you bring Jesus to the forefront, when you bring the gospel to the forefront, cynicism starts to melt away and you can hope again, you can trust again, you can believe again. I believe this to my bones. Once a cynic, not always a cynic, once hopeless, not always hopeless. Once a closed heart, not always a closed heart. The early church had to figure this out. The early church dealt with stuff like this. Like our day has its fair share of problems. There's no getting around that. We all have our fair share of struggles in this life. But, but you want to know what a hard life looks like? <laughs> you want a reason to be cynical? Go back 2,000 years to first century Palestine. 
pestilence, disease, slavery, brutality, abuse. You're not sure if you'll be alive tomorrow. I mean, they, they, they literally live day to day. And the early Christians were trying to figure out how do we live with this hope, this trust that we find in Jesus? How do we maintain a belief in the goodness of God in a world that offered them very little goodness? How do they do that? Well, Paul has started all these churches around the Mediterranean rim, writes to one of those churches in, in Ephesus. This church was trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean for us to live in a world full of death and destruction, but follow a God of life? And, and in the first three chapters of, Ephesus, of Ephesians, Paul doesn't give them any command. There's, 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 no, there's no commands. It's all identity. This is who you are. This is what Jesus has done for you. This is the reality of, of, of your identity. And in that first chapter, here's part of what Paul told them. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, they had faith in Jesus and love for people. Faith, for Je faith in Jesus, love for people. Faith and love, faith and love, faith and love. I have not stopped thanking God for you. You know, cynics don't thank anybody. They don't thank anybody because they're too self-centered. They're too focused on themselves. Paul says, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you, underline this phrase, spiritual wisdom and insight. The difference between spiritual wisdom and insight and earthly wisdom and insight. To give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. See, cynics don't grow in their knowledge of anything because they already know everything. They know. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I had never seen this until this week. We, we talk about an inheritance. We talk about our, 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 our inheritance in heaven. Do you know what God's inheritance is? It's people. It's people. It's, it's the result. It's the fruit of the gospel in people's lives. That's God's inheritance. That's what he's looking forward to. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. And then he makes an unbelievable claim. If I've lost you, come back to me. If you're on another tab, close that tab and come back, okay? If I could sit down and just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you, especially if you find yourself more cynical today than you used to be, I would listen to everything you said. I would probably agree with most of it. And then I would point you to what Paul says here. If you're a follower of Jesus, if he's redeemed you, if he's restored you, look what Paul says is true about you. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. If I could add a phrase is at work in you. That the same power that turned death into resurrection is at work in you. The, the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father, that sounds really powerful to me, is at work in you.
Which is why I say, once a cynic, not always a cynic. Once hopeless, not always hopeless. You can hope again. You can trust again. You can believe again. And you say, how in the world do I do that? Because Tim, I sure don't feel like the power of that is in me. And, and in, one, in one hand, it sounds really appealing, but on the other hand, it sounds too good to be true, and that's probably part of the cynicism talking in us. But, but how in the world do you hope again? How do you trust again? How do you believe again? How is that power in you play out? I know no better answer. I know no better antidotes to cynicism than to live daily in the power of the gospel to live daily in the power of forgiveness. It turns cynics into optimists. It turns the hopeless into those who have hope. It reveals trust and, and belief to those who have lost trust, to those who have lost belief. Like, that's the best answer I've got, is live daily, every day, in the power of the gospel. Figure out what Jesus says about you that's true, and live in that truth. Figure out what God says about you, both who you are today and who you will be in the future, and live in that reality. And if that's, that's too impractical, if that's too ethereal for you, let me, I'll give you just one thing real practical. If you want to be less cynical, if you want to, you know, less cynical by Friday, let's say, just give it Friday, okay? Here it is. Ready? Be curious. Be curious. Ask questions. Um, explore things you've never learned before. Ask people why they think what they think. Read a book. I, I learned this from uh, my uh, professor 20 years ago in my undergraduate. Read a book or an author from a viewpoint you disagree with. Be curious. This is how I've, I've tried to fight cynicism. It's just to be curious. Because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the cynical are never curious, and the curious are never cynical. You notice this? Like, curious people just aren't cynical. And cynics are hardly ever curious. Why? Because again, cynicism is rooted in knowledge. So cynics, they don't really ask questions. They already know everything, because I know how this is going to go. I know how this ends. I know, I know, I know. So they never ask any questions, because they know. C.S. Lewis wrote a book in 1945 called The Great Divorce. And in it, he gives us his vision for hell. Now, we have lots of pictures, we have lots of, of art, we have lots of visions of what hell looks like, and it's, you know, fire and torture and all this stuff. He takes it a different direction. He says that, that, that in hell, it's always raining, it's always gray. And he tells this story about a bishop who ends up in hell, but he doesn't know he's in hell. And every day, for all of eternity, you know what he does? He, he walks around with his head down, convincing himself that he was right, all of his colleagues were wrong, and he knew best. All day long, for all eternity, he wanders around convincing himself he knew everything. Cynical are never curious, but the curious are never cynical. If you want to fight cynicism, learn to be curious. Curious about God? Curious about other people, curious about life when you think you know the answer, when you think you know how it's going to end, when you think you know how they're going to respond, when you think you've got it all figured out, 
pause and ask, how can I be curious here? it, It may be a pipe dream, but I would love to be more curious at 80 than I was at eight. I don't know if I'll get there. 80, I, I, I don't know if I will, but I'm just foolish enough to try. I want to be more curious the older I get. And beyond that, like I want to be a part of a community of people who actively hope, who actively believe, who actively trust. They're, they're not just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back and take us to heaven. Like, I want to be a part of people who, who, who believe and trust and hope, not simply so we can experience those things, but so that we can turn around and bless the people around us in our world. That, I think that's part of being a redemptive presence in our community. Because people are looking for hope. They want to believe in something. They want to trust in something bigger and more secure. The church is positioned to show them the way. Let's lead the way. Let's give them a model for growing old without growing cynical. Like, let's be curious. Um, I'm paraphrasing. But Jesus said, you know, if you, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. You know one of the characteristics of kids? They're curious, Right? Have you ever met a four-year-old who didn't ask a thousand questions in like five minutes? Like, why? 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 Well, how? How? Why does he do that? Why are you doing that? Where are we going? Why? Where are we going? What is he doing that for? Why does he say that? Why is she eating that? Where did they come from? Why? Why? It's get really annoying. <laughs> right? It gets really, really annoying. But according to Jesus, we would be wise to take some of our cues from those kids. We would be wise to learn to be curious. Because when we're curious enough to believe again and hope again and trust again, that is one of the ways we live out the reality of the gospel, the good news, in our day-to-day practical lives. We live out the reality of what Jesus has done in history. We live out the reality of what Jesus has done in us, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our occupations, in our parenting. And cynicism just doesn't have much of a chance to take root. And we show a world, man, that so badly needs the gospel. They need good news, how it actually impacts individual lives. So if you're up for that, if you want to kick cynicism in the teeth, if you want to make sure it never takes root, in your life, if you want to watch, if you want to show a watching world how to do this, stay curious. Stay curious and watch as you hope again, as you trust again, as you believe again. Stay curious. Hope again. Trust again. And believe again. Let's be people. Let's be a community. Let's be individuals. Let's be couples. Let's be homes. Let's be small groups. Let's be a church that lives this out and shows people that we know, shows people that we don't know, but shows a watching world that you can grow old, but you don't have to grow cynical. Father in heaven, would you help my friends, would you help me (laughs) to be the kind of person, to be the kind of husband, of dad, of leader, 
that fights against this, that, that reminds myself, that allows your spirit who is at work in me to remind me every single day that I can live in the reality of your truth, not the lies that we're told, but the lies that seep in. Like, God, we can, we can be people that hope and trust and believe, not just in, in theological concepts, but we can hope in each other. We can trust each other. We can believe each other. We can be curious. And God, ultimately, that's, that's it's not just about the things that we experience because of that, because of the positive side effects of that that we experience, but so that we can turn around and we can share that hope. We can share that trust. We can share that belief with people who need it and people who are watching how we live, watching to see if what we say we believe actually works itself into our actions. God, I believe you can do this. I believe that, that your spirit, the same spirit that brought resurrection from death, the same spirit that's at work in us, that you can do this. Not so we can boast, not so that we can say, look at us, but so that we can boast of you. We can, we can point people to you. And the reality, the truth, the power of what you can do in a human heart. Jesus, may it be so. And I ask it all in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.